0: of their technology, they are able to feed, clothe, house, and transport themselves equally and with no effort.
1: Good. We're <laughs> back <laughs> yeah. I know. It's been a while I know it's been a long time
0: uh, It's okay real life Real life gets in the way
1: Yes it does <laughs> Alright so what do you got for me
0: <laughs> Um. Yeah it's just Finding stuff here and there Uh. Mm-hmm. This um snippet is uh just something i thought would fit really mm-hmm. good in with our show and the stuff we've been getting into uh this is um a brief thing from uh the 1976 book cosmic trigger uh huh and it's called the queen of space okay a few weeks after my meeting with Dr. Leary at Millbrook, my family had our first UFO experience. We were living in northern New Jersey, and I was commuting daily to my job at Fact Magazine. Our house was at the bottom of a hill, and one Saturday morning, while I was home, the kids came running in to tell me that a flying saucer had just landed up near the top of the hill. Mm-hmm. I went to the backyard to find a neighboring family equally excited. Altogether, six adults, the author and his wife plus four from the neighboring clan, which was Appalachian and huge. Together with seven children, ours and theirs, had seen what looked like Mm -hmm. a silvery, saucer-shaped craft land. Everybody was taking turns looking at the landing site through a pair of binoculars. When it was my turn, I saw what looked like a Bucky Fuller geodesic dome, Mm. where none had been before, and no human or humanoid figures. Others saw a more saucer-shaped craft, and some saw humanoids in silver costumes.
1: Interesting. Yeah.
0: Then it, whatever it was, took off. It definitely was not a geodesic dome. Dome. Why am I saying zone? (laughs) (laughs) Watching it take off, I decided it was probably only a helicopter. <laughs> that what? that afternoon, my son Graham encountered an, ex- uh, in quotes, extraterrestrial in the woods behind our house at the foot of the hill. She was a female with silvery skin, and she told Graham he was five at the time that he should become a physicist when he grew up. Mm. Professor Jacques Vallée, who has analyzed all such contact stories that have occurred since 1890 with a computer to find statistical patterns, Mm -hmm. informs us that this is drearily typical. The majority of child contactees, Vallée had Mm -hmm. discovered, report female extraterrestrials.
1: The -hmm. majority of
0: adults report males in two standard types, small green men or giant blue men. In fact, Dr. Valet has found 44 parallels, similarities of image, word, and detail between the average experience of child contactees and the miracles attributed to the Blessed Virgin Mary in Catholic countries.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Quote, the UFO and the BVM, Blessed Virgin Mary, he has said, Mm -hmm. only half-jokingly seem to be the same phenomenon. The lady most often appears to children, whether she comes in a spaceship or from heaven. She is accompanied by flashing white lights usually, and at her best, she is capable of suspending the laws of physics in clear view or telepathically shared hallucinations of huge crowds. Mm. I have asked Graham, who is now studying to be a physicist in accord with the lady's urging, to retell the tell again to check the accuracy of my memory. Graham especially emphasized the odd silvery costumes of the humanoid figures seen on the mountain before the lady appeared. An old friend, Marilyn Pooler of Las Vegas, who was living in that part of New Jersey at the the same time in 1964, coincidentally arrived to visit us in Berkeley two days after the above account was written. Mm -hmm. Quite spontaneously, with no knowledge of Graham's experience, she told of two seeming extraterrestrials she had seen about the same time in 1964, late summer, approximately 30 miles from our home. Mm -hmm. She was one of the many contactees who suffered amnesia and can only recall seeing the critters without further details. 20 minutes later, she awakened as if from a trance, and they were gone. Both wore silver uniforms. Catholics, <clears throat> Catholics now call the uh, Blessed Virgin Mary Our Lady of Space. She is, of course, another archetype from Young's collective unconscious and was around long before Christianity. The Egyptians right. called her Nuit and, contact- and connected her specifically with the star Sirius. But depictions of her go back at least to cave statues dated 30,000 B.C. Robert Graves, in his famous and highly controversial book, The White Goddess, tried to prove that the worship of her was humanity's oldest religion and originally involved the use of the psychedelic mushroom, Amanita Muscaria.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: American Indian shamans knew her, too, and called her Peyote Woman. She is the female version of Mescalita. She also appears I love this She also uh-huh. appears amusingly enough In The Wizard of Oz As the bubble witch
1: Glenda the good witch
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In the film of that novel Each of her appearances begins With a bright silverly globe Descending from the sky After which she appears Where the globe lands uh-huh. This is the way child contactees Generally report her According to Valet and so Free Globe was also around in some of her miracles under the guise of the BVM at Lords and Fatima.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In one of her miracles at Fatima, she calls the sun to plunge directly toward Earth in the shared experience or hallucination of over 100,000 witnesses. If you believe the sun really did plunge toward the Earth, you are naive in my estimation. But if you accept that 100,000 persons can telepathically share the sh- same hallucination... You must answer the big question, or perhaps I should call it the wig question: How much of consensus reality is similar, similarly created? Mm. (laughs) And that's Robert Anton Wilson's Cosmic Trigger, one of my favorite books of all time.
1: Yes, (laughs) that's fascinating. (laughs) That is. That really is. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, it it takes on. Uh, um, I had to go revisit it, I, especially since we've been doing the show and we've
1: mm-hmm.
0: been coming back to this.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. It keeps coming up mm-hmm. the
0: similarities with all the phenomenon, right. you know.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. So what you got?
1: Um, I was, because everyone probably knows, we've been gone for a while, so I was going with some stuff I had (laughs) from probably like two months ago when we were (laughs) getting ready for an episode. um, um, Haunted by the Things You Love is the name of the book, and it's by John Zaffis and Rosemary Allen Guiley. Yeah. And it's about cursed objects. And I found this one that's it it's kind of comical. I'm not gonna read it the way it's written just because it's written like a story, and I just kind of want to go over the account, like what happened, what they said happened. Um, but it's about cursed jewelry, okay? okay? Um, so there's this guy named Nathan, and he's going to break up with his um, fiance. Because he's found out that she's a witch and for some reason that just he can't he can't do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of comical, but um Eddie Eddie feels like he's justified because he feels like her behavior's changed and she's become unstable and unpredictable. And he doesn't understand her religion, I guess, you know. Yeah. And um so he breaks up with her. Um how does that go? Sorry about that. Because um, it goes into the story they wrote it like him going through it in his head, like he's gonna break up with her.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so he breaks up with her when he arrives to the to the condo to do this. Um, she already has candles. There's candles lit all over the place, right? So he's probably yeah. freaking out or whatever, right? <laughs> and he gives her a hug and a kiss, and. Um, she, I guess, um, was about to tell him what she had planned for the evening, whatever that was, with all the candles, but, um, yeah. and he tells her why he's there. And she cries. And she yells, which is quite normal, if something like that happens, right? I think. Yeah. Um And he lies to her. She asks why and, and he lies and stuff. And then, um, And then finally he tells her it's because their outlooks on life are different and he doesn't think it's going to work out. And she's like, okay. So she removes her engagement ring and she throws it at him, right? And he picks it up and he tells her she can keep it, sell it, whatever. I mean, you know, but she doesn't want to take it. Yeah. And he fumbles into his pocket because he is returning, like, Apparently, she had bought him a bunch of jewelry when they were dating and stuff, right? So, he returns um, some rings and stuff, and, and she takes them in her hand and she holds them, and she's really quiet for a minute. And then yeah. she says, She gives them back to, to him and puts them in his hand and tells him that they're meant for him, that he should keep them, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so so he does and they break up and whatever right so life goes on Um, months go by Um, he meets another woman and falls in love and her name's Nikki which they probably changed names anyway but um, she's younger than him (laughs) I don't know why I had I just I think some of the things are funny. Um so so now he's going to marry Nikki, right? Then yeah. ne- the next girl. And she wants a fairy tale wedding, so like they they put together this like elaborate wedding her family does, right? And they get married and everything's beautiful and perfect and you know, this big honeymoon and they get to the honeymoon portion of the wedding day and he can't perform, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, you know, we'll do it later. Sorry. It's okay. You had too much champagne. They actually said that. <laughs> but um, so he can't perform. Okay. Yeah. And not only that, but then when they do go to sleep, she wakes up like, like get off of me, like, like yelling at him. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm asleep. And she said some something was like hitting on her and scratching her and pulling her hair. Right? Yeah. And he's like, you know, I was asleep, right? Yeah. Well, this keeps happening. She keeps getting attacked, like, when they're sleeping. Yeah. She keeps experiencing um, someone scratching at her or hitting her or pulling her hair, stuff like that. And and he continues not to be able to perform sexually, so... (laughs) right yeah and so this goes on and it's like you know this was supposed to be like a happy beginning and and it keeps getting worse and then um some other bad luck happens i think she fell and sprained her ankle like this other stuff happens and then he started getting attacked at night too when they were sleeping and they would get scratches and stuff right yeah um so they at some point reach out to John's Zathis and um, he looks into their case and um, wait, I missed the good part sorry. Um, he finds he figures out that it's the jewelry that the ex-witch um, gave him and so they think that she cursed him so that he couldn't have happiness yeah do, do you know what I mean Yeah. so so it's kind of funny and interesting and I think um, John Zappas which I think he, he does uh, he takes items for people and puts them in his museum or museum or whatever he puts them away for them and um, so he did that with, with this person and what he explained to them is the type of curse it was like because you have to remember the guy went for months or however long between girlfriends and his life was like everything was normal right yeah but what john was saying was the curse didn't go into effect until you got married Until you married somebody else. Oh wow! And
0: then it hits.
1: And then it kind of just started that night. You know, it just immediately went into effect. Yeah. And um, so I don't know. Um, and I think things things did get back to normal once the items were uh, taken and John does whatever he does with them or whatever. But um, it's interesting and it was kind of funny and interesting. You know, like. The bad boyfriend is cursed and can't perform and all that stuff, but and I and I don't even know if you believe in curses, but it made me think of for some reason. It made me think of this case, and you can find it on true crime podcasts. I know many of them have probably covered it, but there was this guy, um, in Seattle, I believe, Christopher Case in Seattle, right? And it was this guy. Who was found dead, kneeling in his bathtub, his empty bathtub. Yeah. Right? Have did you, you ever that have you heard that? And no, his no. apartment was covered in crucifixes and candles were lit and there was salt everywhere. And what happened to this guy was he was in San Francisco on a business trip. Yeah. And he met this this chick, right? And they and they kind of like really hit it off as far as they had um, unusual things in common i think they were both like had a thing for ancient music yeah which is like rare to meet somebody that has the same interests yeah. like that and so they really hit it off and they were hanging out and everything but she made sexual advanc- advances toward him right yeah. and he for whatever reason like we don't know why i mean for whatever reason he um, rejected that, you know what I mean? Like for whatever reason. I don't know why, but um Yeah, me either. Then after that, when he got home, he he thought she he said she was a witch and he told his friends that he thought she was like attacking him, that she was cursing him. You know and so whether she was not or whatever this guy basically gave himself a heart attack or it gave him he had a heart and he died this young guy you know what I mean yeah yeah it was so real to him whether whether she's really doing it or whether it's just in his head that he's like Pouring salt around his whole apartment, and you know, has crucifixes everywhere, and for some reason, was in his bathtub, and literally gave himself a, a heart attack and died. I, I just always remember that story. It's
0: fascinating to me. Um, I had a, a good friend who, um, um, intelligent person, not not a bullshitter, you know, and um, she told me a story about when she was younger, mm-hmm. I think in her twenties, um, this guy broke her heart Right. and she cursed him and um, okay. kind of, I guess in her mind, it was more of like a, a catharsis. Just a way of getting rid of the, oh,
1: definitely, the yeah, anger
0: and frustration. But the guy lost his job, broke his arm. It was getting oh, shit. so bad. Right, that she realized what she had done and did. Um, I can't remember what she said. She did to uh, stop it. all but, she... but yeah, it finally stopped. But after this guy went through like months of hell, and it's. Ah, uh, it's, it's so interesting to me because it's like, is it coincidence? Is it true? And, and I also, um, something that interests me about it is, okay, how does the materialist atheist come out of a curse? Like, right. like <laughs> would, would a guy who had no faith in it at all, would he be affected the same way? right how much right would it just be the person who believes i i it's interesting to me and i i'd like to go yeah i'm
1: fascinated by it um because i do believe a lot of things a lot of things um require our belief Belief. but i kind (laughs) of do think people can attack you that way whether yeah, you the, believe we, or not we I mean
0: I, I, I don't I can't remember did we oh I we might have talked about it on a podcast before it was um, a story where uh, the guy okay this guy was a uh, um, um, invited him and his wife were invited over to a couple's house. For a dinner party, and the the husband of the house they were going to was a ski instructor and had a had had a really long day and was exhausted and forgot he had guests. Uh huh. Came in and was irritated, but um, he put on a good face and said, "Oh, you know, I'll just go with it and sat down." Right. But the guest said that he saw and 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 uh, let me back up this ski instructor guy was well versed in navajo witchcraft okay and uh was a student of it and um he said the guy was friendly enough but he could sense the hostility like fucking beaming off of this guy Shooting into him, and he said it it made him so sick he had to get up and walk outside. He said, When he walked outside, the cold air hit him, he went boom, hit the ground, passed out. Oh, wow! He lived, he's this is what he says, he lived an entire lifetime as another man in the 18th century from birth to old age to death, and went through this experience lit he said it was in real time and everything I lived an entire lifetime right. woke back up and they're all standing above him um like what happened and he's like god damn how long have I been out here they're like 30 seconds <laughs> oh, shit. and he he said it was the the um uh like he's convinced it was the um uh hostility of this guy even unconscious that put him in that state but why did he go slip into another uh
1: interesting
0: yeah yeah very interesting well we'll read that one next time
1: so it's like he got zapped with the hostility and that kind of like plunged him into into
0: the ether like a different yeah yeah and maybe uh maybe it was just uh uh, a past life? I don't know. I don't know, but it's a it's that's a interesting. Story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. I yeah. so
1: I do believe in curses. It's just, yeah, I don't completely understand them. It's yeah, I don't either. I do believe people, it, people honestly, can attack you. Most, I do believe people can attack you, but I, I also believe I you too, can you most, can protect and and dance your way out of it a little bit too if right. if you can recognize, you know.
0: I do too, but um, if everybody who claims to be a witch was a true witch, I would be worried, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> if
1: you see what I'm saying. Yeah, I, do. I do.
0: <laughs> But yeah, Thanks. it's uh, uh, just another reason to not fuck people over and be polite.
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> or get away from them if they're crazy. yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: um do you want to do another cursed object?
1: yeah, okay, you we'll got one yeah, yeah,
0: okay this oh, this is from that same book uh that is I was it? talking about yeah, this is from oh. the book psychedelic shamanism by Jim decorn, uh uh-huh. this uh early nineties book from loom panics um And this is called The Voice. Of all the stories in this introduction, this is the one which is for me the most mysterious and has had the strongest impact on my life. On the morning of February 18th, 1979, I took LSD again after a gap of about three years. As I sit in my easy chair waiting for the effects of the drug to begin, I felt a sudden impulse to get up go into the next room, and remove an antique Mexican machete from where it had been hanging on the wall for at least a decade. Like many items used only for decoration, this one had by now become so familiar as to be invisible. I don't recall having paid any real attention to it for years. Indeed, it was shamefully covered with dust. I'd purchased this machete in 1965 at the Toluca Market outside of Mexico City. It was hanging in the back of a stall operated by a used tool and parts vendor who sold battered hammers, bent screwdrivers, grease caked crescent wrenches, rusty motorci- motorcycle chains, that sort of thing. Okay. The machete, obviously fairly old, I estimate early 20th century around the time of the Mexican Revolution. And well used, with many nicks and scratches and a splintered handle. There is a quote, DICO D-I-C-H-O, or proverb engraved on the blade. Nada mm-hmm. del mundo as bided por kumi ojo's fin. <laughs> 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 or whatever. In English, we would translate it nothing in the world is true that meets the eye or more freely mm. everything is an illusion wow it's a curious saying i've never thought of it as typically mexican catholic sentiment if anything it sounds buddhist mm-hmm. for some reason i wanted i wanted to hold this machete and as the lsd began to alter my consciousness i held it tighter and tighter like Peter's Tibetan cup, it was beginning to manifest the energies of a power object. Soon it felt like the machete was kind, some kind of psychic lightning rod for forces to enter my body. At that point, I don't think I could have let go of it if I wanted to. Now, the yeah. drug was coming on strong, and I was suddenly very, very stoned. <laughs> the machete vibrated with authority and seemed to pull me from my chair across the room and out the door into the yard where I was forcibly thrown to my knees on the ground for the first. And so far the only time in my life, I heard a distinctly clear voice speaking to me from within my own head. The voice was nothing that I could identify with as quote me, or even a portion of quotes me. It was totally other with a capital O. And to ask the question, do you take responsibility? I didn't really know what that meant. Take responsibility for what? Yet I knew that it was important to say yes. Taking responsibility was certainly a responsible thing to do. And I've always believed in being responsible. Mm -hmm. In quotes. So he answered yes. The energy level of the voice increased one full octave. Do you take responsibility? Uh, Sure. Yes. I was deeply intoxicated and quite confused by the repetition of the question. Right. Now the numinous and power of the voice doubled again, becoming suddenly very, very scary. What was I dealing with here? Do you take responsibility? Yes, I take responsibility. I had no idea what I was taking responsibility for, but I knew that I must be equal to it, whatever it was. Now we cross the line into, quote, something else. These goddamn acid trips. Why did I continue to do this to myself? (laughs) I've said that so many times, by the way.
1: Flashback
0: flashback replays of my second voyage in the LSD terror. It was now nothing less than the voice of God demanding... Do you take responsibility? (laughs) I was no longer sure that I wanted that much responsibility, yet somehow I felt certain that if I said no, I would have dropped dead on the spot. Right. The voice's unstated implication was take responsibility or die. In that state of consciousness, I really believed it. Yes, yes, I take responsibility. The voice fell silent. After a while, I got to my feet and stumbled back into the house. The rest of the trip was relatively uneventful. Lots of somatic electricity and liquid plumber sloshing around in my head. A local FM radio station played a piece by Alan Hovhaness, Mountains and Rivers Without End. Powerful music to hear while on a psychedelic. By late afternoon, I drifted back into normal awareness again. I was very glad to be back. That Uh night I went to bed somewhat washed out from the acid, but fully recovered and in consensus reality again. I'd been down for several hours. In fact, I had a dream. My machete was in front of me hanging suspended in a pure void of infinite darkness. Uh Etched on the blade were Hebrew letters in living fire. I am not Jewish, and I don't know Hebrew, but I can recognize those letters and differentiate them from Sanskrit or Greek, for example. Mm -hmm. The machete disappeared, and only the fiery letters remained suspended in the void. Then they began to move and reform themselves in the Roman alphabet to spell Sifaroth in fire. Mm -hmm. Then they disappeared, and only the void was left. I awoke, my heart pounding anxiously. Why was I afraid? I got up and walked around the house. What did Sephiroth mean? I looked it up in Webster's third New International Dictionary, no such word. This was the mm-hmm. most powerful dream I'd ever had, a once-in-a-lifetime kind of dream. It was a bona fide dream and not an out-of-body experience, which is quite different. It was easily as numinous As my encounter with the voice, but unfortunately, I didn't know what it meant any more than I knew what I had taken responsibility for. It was to be at least two weeks before I got a clue. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I was aimlessly browsing in a Santa Fe bookstore. I saw a book with a title like Dictionary of Occult, Mystical Terms, something like that. Aha, maybe here I can find out what Sephiroth means. I turned to the proper page, Sephiroth, the 10 emanations of God Mm -hmm. in the Jewish Kabbalah. I was stunned. I had heard of the Kabbalah and knew it was some kind of Jewish mystical system, but that was as far as my knowledge went. How could my unconscious psych come up with that information that I had never consciously encountered in my life? Right. Needless to say, I obtained some books about the subject. I forgot the reading sequence now, but Dion Fortunes, The Mystical Kabbalah, mm-hmm. and A Practical Guide to Kabbalistic Symbolism stand out in my mind as particu- particularly seminal texts. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, without trying to explain the intricacies of Kabbalistic philosophy, of which there are many, I discovered that my machete voice adventure co- corresponded to the 17th path on the tree of life. This path is called a path of choice. The crossroads of life meet here. Do you right. take responsibility? Right. The tarot arcanum symbolically connected with this path is the lovers. And the Hebrew word letter for the lovers is zayin, which means sword, a machete. Yeah. Mm. The drug ergo is also, mm. also closely associated with this past, and LSD is an ergo derivative. Mm. That's a fair amount of synchronicity compressed into an event, which is still not clo- totally clear to me, but I am apparently in good company. Um, years after my Kabbalah trip, I found this observation concerning LSD therapy in Stan's Gruff's book realms of the human unconscious he is describing here how others under the influence of lsd have had similar experiences to my own
1: interesting
0: individuals unfamiliar this is a passage from that book individuals unfamiliar with the kabbalah have had experiences described in the text and have demonstrated a surprisingly uh familiarity with kabbalistic symbols
1: right
0: And here's the lesson, his lesson. Lesson, it was this experience which finally convinced me that I was somehow involved in an ongoing inner process. Mm -hmm. I eventually accepted the concept that the conscious, quote, me, was but a portion of a greater reality which was unfolding itself from what I perceived as my own unconscious psyche. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Somewhere within this undifferentiated unconscious was a separate intelligence, able to manipulate information superior to anything I knew here in space and time. I didn't come to these conclusions immediately. Of course, it took several years for the hypothesis
1: to fully congeal. <laughs>
0: wow. Yeah, that's a good one.
1: That is good. That's the, interesting.
0: I love the um, uh, for one, how fucking cool would it be to find that machete in a junk store? Right. And what did he say was the um, the saying that was engraved in it? I'm looking. Oh, back. oh yeah, it was uh, it was Mexican for uh, nothing in the world is true that meets the eye.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and but I was laughing when you were telling the story because you know that I accidentally got stoned. <laughs>
0: Said, I was right
1: That I recently accidentally got stoned recently, and
0: <laughs> you got. Dark. And
1: yeah, none of those. Um, that didn't happen. That would have been cool. Something, something spiritual. That would have been great. Yeah. What
0: did it? What? What did happen? Any profound insights?
1: No, I was because I'm old, and I was shocked that I was stoned. <laughs> because i ate something and didn't i thought i was gonna go to sleep so i was so shocked that i was trying to fight it yeah yeah and that's never a good good idea you know no,
0: I mean, it's the oh you gotta
1: God. ride it out i was just trying to fight it i <laughs> like, can't gotta... fucking
0: imagine the panic attack i would have if i ate edibles <gasps> At this
1: point in my life, <laughs> so I so then then it's like I probably wasted it, you know, because I was just like, "Oh my God, I gotta feel normal. Like, what do I do to feel <laughs> yeah. normal?" <laughs> yeah, you know, but that,
0: that that's um that's the thing though. Sometimes out of that um um overwhelming anxiety and fear,
1: something uh, happens, right? Some
0: profound insights, in and uh, you know.
1: You just right. have
0: to uh, hold on. <laughs> <Go through it. laughs> I, uh, um, yeah, I think of some of the times I had on psychedelics, uh, right. and I and I. Pfft, Pretty close to nervous breakdown a couple of times, I think. <laughs> yeah,
1: but I also remember being younger and having like really cool trips. You yeah, know? oh yeah, and that, like really getting doing. into it, and it's like yeah. all cool and yeah, yeah. So it was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> I thought I took like a sleep aid or something. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the edibles
0: are so strong.
1: Oh my god, I, I. I thought I was crazy or something.
0: <laughs> how long did it last?
1: Hours. Yeah. Uh, well, days? I don't know. You know how time is. Yeah. Probably a couple hours. So. That's
0: all. I thought. I thought it might.
1: Last. Uh, it, it, somehow I ended up asleep. I did end up asleep at some point. Yeah. I don't know how. Yeah. But for a while, it was just like, oh, my God, I'm so fucked up. What do I do? (laughs) (laughs) Splash water. Do (laughs) things. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Not the teenage dancing around to, like, cool music and looking at trees and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't like that. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. But, yeah, profound stuff, man. Can happen. Good. Interesting. <laughs> and now I feel like we're back. Like we got it. We knew how to do this. We're back. Yes. Yes, definitely. Do you have more? You feel feel there was good for from- Yeah, I got one. Okay. Um, Let's do it.
0: I've been uh uh over the past month or so i've gone down a fairy hole
1: mm-hmm. and i'm trying let to, there be any <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> i'm trying to um read as much as i can right find about the fairies and uh um about a year ago uh, it's probably longer than that i was i was looking through um old copies on archive.com of the Flying Mm -hmm. Saucer Review. Right. And um, there was a case in here. Let me read this. It's two cases Uh and this was from uh, like the 1976 uh, one of the issues from 1976 and um, it was just this short clip of these two cases from Dunn, North Carolina, which is close to me.
1: Okay.
0: Um, October 12th, 1976, Dunn, North Carolina. Tonley Barefoot, eight years old, claimed to have seen a little man dressed in blue as he was playing in a cornfield. The next day, footprints measuring two and a half inches in length and one inch wide at the widest point were found where Ton Lee said he saw the man. Okay. Two weeks later, October 28, 1976, Dunn, North Carolina. Miss Shirley Ann McCrimmon, McCrimmon, 22, claims to have seen a bottled-sized man at 6.20 a.m. while she was returning home. While closing the door, she heard a noise outside as if someone or something were moving about the bushes. So she looked <laughs> out. Staring back at her was a little man, brown in color. She was frightened but curious and watched it for several minutes. Then she grew bolder and moved. When she did that, the entity shined a very bright yellow light across her eyes. She screamed and uh-huh. the little man scampered away. So that's just a short little thing. But ever since I read that, I, I printed it out and saved it. I fucking wanted to learn more about that, those cases. So I've, I've searched for them everywhere. Right. You know, couldn't find anything. Well, um, a month or two ago, I got this copy of the book Fairies Real Encounters with Little People by Mm -hmm. Janet Ward. Instantly fell in love with this thing. It's, it it is one of the best books I've ever read. It's amazing. And so here I am on page, uh, The chapter Little People Around the World, okay?
1: Uh
0: huh. Uh, On page 99, check this (laughs) out. The next witness was an eight year old boy who, in 1976, saw a little man, quote, not much bigger than a Coke bottle near Dunn, North Carolina. There you go. Tom Lee Barefoot was alone and playing with a toy shovel in a cornfield, looking up. He saw a little man watching him open-mouthed. He was wearing black boots, blue trousers, and a blue shiny top. Quote, the prettiest little white tie you ever saw. And a black German-type hat. He ran off fast with a squeal like a mouse. Tonley found some small footprints and took his mother to see them. Others saw them, too, including the managing editor of the local newspaper, Fred H. Boast who said that the tracks were definitely those of Little Boots. Clear marks were easily discernible. I failed to count the number in the first set, but there were 14 in the second set, which was clearer than the first. Individual prints were two and a half inches long and about one inch wide at the broadest point. Tonley's sighting was made on October 12th, and Boast reported that a fortnight later, on October 25th, 20-year-old, see, they've got the ages different, 20-year-old oh. Shirley Ann McCrimmon also saw a little man. He was either wearing a thin garment or was naked and light brown in color. He wore no hat, but he did wear boots. Fairies wear boots, Black Sabbath. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorites. <laughs> and she found a small footprint. Fred Boast found another. He commented, in and the strange part about the footprints footprints were that they led nowhere in any of the locations where they were found the ground was soft in both areas of the cornfield yet in both cases the footprints ended abruptly let me stop for a second it sounds like this was in the same cornfield
1: right
0: yeah um the ground was hard where the footprints were found at the mccrimmon home yet around the back where the little man was said to have disappeared there was a garden area with soft earth soft earth but here no footprints could be found again it was youngsters okay that's the end of that but um
1: yeah i was so happy to find (laughs) it yeah
0: and and uh, this was such such a good book Uh, i can't recommend it highly enough it's amazing uh the fairies it's uh yes it's called fairies real encounters with little people i got a used copy for like four bucks on ebay right it's uh one of the best books i've ever read and if you looked at my copy i have post-it notes on almost every page (laughs) i believe (laughs) you But it's so good and um um i'd also like to mention another book that i am ecstatic about um Zelia Edgar, who um, has had a YouTube channel for the past couple years or so, Um, she talks about these cases too. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: she put out her first book called uh, Just Another Tinful Hat Presents. And it is. It's good. It's amazing. It's one of the best paranormal books I've ever read. And her style her sense of humor and her um, style make it that much better. But she talks about some of the famous cases that have been talked about a lot and some uh, lesser known. But even with the cases um, like the uh, the Hopskinville's goblins mm-hmm. and the um, um, oh God. A- anyway, it, the other cases that you already know about, she goes so in depth that it's uh, you find something. It's there's something, yeah. It's um, it's um, so both of those books, I can't recommend enough. Nice, I love them.
1: And your little man story made me think of something, but it's like in the back of my head, so I have to. I'll find. I'll dig it up for next time. It's it's. You know, how I was listening. I was listening to. Um, Um what Farham College a long time ago, Farum College um interviewed like the elderly in Appalachia, like to get stories. Yeah. And I was listening to some of the recordings and found a couple of really cool ones. But yeah, there was like a little person one, so I have to find that for next time.
0: Yeah, I'm uh um I'm obsessed with this subject right now. And um so there'll be a lot of these (laughs) and
1: and i'm not afraid to say that i saw a little man when i was little but i love it
0: do you want to tell it real quick
1: (laughs) when i was little um like how do i tell it when i was little like one of my friends lived like on the next street over but there was like a vacant lot that we could cut through to get to the next street instead of you know going all the way around or whatever so we'd always cut through this vacant lot by the woods to get to her street or my street and um one day we were coming back to my house in the middle of the day and we saw a little man but I just remember we saw a little man I, he had a hat I don't know what color I don't rem- I'm not going to guess what color his clothes are cuz I don't remember it like that you know right um, I do think he had a hat um, we were staring at him and like little kids boggled, you know, like, like, there's a little man, you know. <laughs> yeah. And we decided to run to my house and try to get, like, a bucket or something. Like, what are we going to catch? This? <laughs> yeah. So we did. We did yeah. run to my house. But when we came back, we couldn't find him in the field. Yeah. But then it's like, like everybody else, it's like, you just go on with life. Like, yeah. <laughs> like every and then like like if you're reading certain things or hearing about certain things you'll be like oh yeah i think i saw a little meal when i was little yeah and but like i never like did anything with that you know what i mean it's just something that happened
0: same here every um um profound weird experience i've had it was the same thing
1: i put it out of my mind
0: for years You know,
1: until for some reason something makes you think of it.
0: Something makes you think of it, and you're like, "Oh my god, that happened to
1: me!" You know. But the only thing is, when something makes you think of it later, that's when you're like, "Oh my god!" Like, right? (laughs) Right? I need to know more about this. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But it seems to be normal. It
0: seems to happen a lot. And um, we have another friend who saw a little person, but. I can't get her to come on and talk about it yet. I'm still trying,
1: <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> and it's it's fascinating. So it's Interesting, like yeah. Um, so yeah, and please tell us your little people's stories.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we love it. Yeah, we love it. We've seen shit too. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's totally okay.
0: Yeah. But yeah, that um, that Zelia Edgar book is
1: fantastic. Highly recommended.
0: Great job. Yeah, it's it's really good. Awesome. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's All right. It All right. That wraps it up. We're back. We'll Rope. be back.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've had our break.
0: Yep. I'm good. I'm rested.
1: And we're digging up stuff. So. And we, we hey, we totally would tell other people's stories if they want to come on and tell it cool. Yes. If they just want to give us permission to share it, that's cool, too. Whatever is comfortable. But we love it.
0: Yes. We can't get enough. I'll, I'll post something about it. And please. Awesome. Your stories. All right. All righty.
1: All right. Good night. Night. Everybody. Bye.